evening, everyone. Well, as we prepare our hearts to give this evening and the ushers prepare to receive the offering, I wanted us just to remember why we do what we do, that we're not just doing another church thing. So I wanted to read to you out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. It says this, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer praise, the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I think we just did a good job of that, huh? But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And I thought to myself, why is that? Because this is a portrait of our Heavenly Father. He so gave his son, he gave everything to us. And when we do that with our hearts, when we give and we share, he is well pleased. When I read these verses, the first thought that came into my mind was, <clears throat> Lord, we have such a giving congregation. We have such a giving church, Ohana. And our, um, from our kids on up, we have our mighties, um, our um, mighties on the move and our junior helpers serving every Sunday and Wednesday. Our youth last week went to Hale Anui Nui to be with the seniors out there, to love on them and to share with them. That's what these verses are talking about. When we give, when we forget not to do good, and when we share and give to others and to the Lord, he is well pleased. So remember that tonight as you give. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> thank you so much. First of all, for all that you gave us. Lord, we don't take that lightly. We don't just come and do another church, um, a church thing, something that's on the schedule. This means a lot to us, Lord. And it means so much to us that you are well pleased when we bring to you our gifts, when we bring to you our offerings and our tithes. Lord, I pray your blessing upon all that is given and upon every person here. Lord, I pray that you would continue each day by your Holy Spirit to remind us how well pleased you are. Thank you, precious Savior, for the opportunity to be a part of what you are doing in, this, in the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're going to continue on our in the series, Journey Through the Bible, and watch this illustration of the second part of Genesis. The book of Genesis. In the first video, we saw how chapters 1 through 11 set up the basic storyline of the Bible. God has created all things, and he makes humans in his image to rule the world on his behalf. The humans choose sin and rebellion, and so the world spins out of control into violence and death, all leading up to the rebellion and scattering of the people in Babylon. And so the big question is, what is God going to do to rescue and redeem his world? Well, out of that scattering at Babylon, the author traces a genealogy of just one family that leads eventually to a man named Abram, later known as Abraham. And God's promise to Abraham at the beginning of chapter 12 opens up a whole new movement in the story. God calls Abraham to leave his home and go to the land of Canaan, which God says will become his one day. 
And in that land, God promises to make Abraham into a great nation, to make his name great and to bless him. Now, these promises are connected back to earlier parts of the book. So Babylon had arrogantly tried to make a great name for itself, and that didn't go over very well. But God, in his generosity, is going to bestow a great name on this no-name guy, Abraham. And God's blessing of Abraham echoes all the way back to that original blessing God gave humanity in the beginning. So the question is, why is God going to bless Abraham and his family? And the last line of God's promise makes this clear. So that all the families of the earth will find God's blessing in you. Now, this is key for understanding the whole rest of the biblical story. God's plan is to rescue and bless his rebellious world through Abraham's family. And this is why the whole rest of the Old Testament story is just going to focus on this one family, eventually called the people of Israel. This is also why Israel will later be called a kingdom of priests at Mount Sinai. God wants to use them to show all of the other nations what he's like. And ultimately, this is the promise that gets picked up by the later biblical prophets and poets who say that its fulfillment will come through Israel's messianic king, whose reign will bring justice and peace to all of the nations. Now, at this point of the story, none of that's clear. You just have to keep reading and watch the promise develop. And so the rest of the book focuses on Abraham and his family. First, Abraham himself, then his son Isaac, and then his son Jacob, and then Jacob's 12 sons. And the stories about each generation, they're united by two main themes. So first, each generation of Abraham's family is marked by repeated failure. They just keep making really bad decisions that mess up their lives and that put God's promise in jeopardy. However, God remains faithful to them. He keeps rescuing them from themselves and reaffirming his commitment to bless them and bless the nations through them despite their failings. So the Abraham stories. God had promised Abraham a huge family, but on two different occasions, he's afraid for his life because other men are attracted to his wife. And so he denies that he's even married to her, which creates, of course, all of these problems. And not only that, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they can't have children. And so Sarah arranges for Abraham to sleep with one of their servant girls, which also creates all of these problems in the family. But each time, God bails Abraham out. And in chapters 15 and 17, God even formalizes his promise to Abraham with an official commitment called a covenant. This is a classic scene. God invites Abraham to look up at the night stars and to count them. And he says, that's how numerous your family is going to be. And despite all of the odds, having no kids and no way to have any at the moment, Abraham looks up in the sky and simply trusts God's promise. And God responds by entering into a covenant with Abraham, promising that he will become a father of many nations, that God's blessing may come to the whole world. God asks Abraham to mark his family with a sign of the covenant, circumcision of all the male boys in the family. This is a symbol to remind them that the fruitfulness of their family is a gift from God. And so Abraham has lots of kids eventually, and he dies at a good old age. Now, the Jacob stories play out these themes even more dramatically. From birth, Jacob lives up to the meaning of his name, which is deceiver. He cheats his brother Esau out of his inheritance and blessing, and he does it by deceiving his old blind father, no less, and then he just takes off. He goes on to take four wives, even though he really only loves one, Rachel, and this creates all of these rivalries in the family. The only thing that humbles Jacob is being deceived by his uncle Laban, who cheats him out of years of his life. 
the tables have finally turned. And so it's a humbled Jacob that returns to his homeland. And in a very strange story, Jacob ends up wrestling with God as he demands that God bless him. Some things never really change, do they? However, God honors his determination and he passes Abraham's blessing on to him. And he renames Jacob as Israel, which means wrestles with God. Now, it's this last part of the book, the story of Jacob's sons, where all the themes come to a head. Jacob loves his second to youngest son, Joseph, more than any of the others, and he gives him this special jacket. And the ten older sons come to hate Joseph, and so they kidnap him, and they plan to kill him, but instead they decide to just sell him into slavery in Egypt, where he ends up in prison. Talk about family failure. But God is with Joseph, and he orchestrates Joseph's release from prison, and Pharaoh ends up elevating Joseph to second in command over all of Egypt. And so Joseph saves the nation of Egypt during a famine, and he also ends up saving his brothers and his family from starving to death. And so once again, we can see the folly and the sin of Abraham's family is met with God's faithfulness, who subverts even the evil of the brothers into an occasion to save life. And this is actually what Joseph says right near the end of the book. He says to his brothers, you all planned this for evil, but God planned it for good to save many lives. Now, these words are strategically placed at the end of the book because they summarize not only the story of Joseph and his brothers, but the book as a whole. From Genesis 3 onward, humans keep acting selfishly and doing evil, but this God is not going to leave his world to its own devices. He remains faithful and determined to bless people despite their failures. You can see this especially in how that mysterious promise about the descendant of the woman gets developed throughout the book. So remember, Genesis 3, God promised that this wounded victor would come and crush the snake and defeat evil at its source. And the author then connects this promise directly to the line of Abraham. This is a part of how God's going to bring his blessing to the nations. Now, from Abraham, this promise gets connected to Judah, the fourth son of Jacob. And this is how. In an extremely important poem in chapter 49, in aging Jacob, he's on his deathbed. He wants to bless his 12 sons. And when he comes to Judah, Jacob predicts that Judah will become the tribe of Israel's royal leaders and that one day a king will come who will command the obedience of all the nations and fulfill God's promise to restore the garden blessing to all of the world. World. And then after this, Jacob dies. And later, Joseph dies too. And the growing family remains in Egypt. And so the book of Genesis ends with all of these future hopes and promises left hanging and undeveloped. And it forces you to turn the page to see how it's all going to turn out. But for now, that's the book of Genesis. That's a lot. And if you are reading along with our devotions, you're, you're kind of in the same area of learning about the story and the life and the family of Abraham. Or Abraham. And in this story that we're going to be looking at tonight or the second half of Genesis, we are finding that God's promises and his blessings still prevail even though mankind rebels against God or does its own thing. And it kind of shows us even to this day that even though we may stray from God, he, he's still faithful. His blessings and his promises are always sure and it's always there because it's of God. Blessings and promises are not of our circumstances. It can change our circumstances, but 
his promises and blessings do not come from our circumstances. And so we're going to take a look at that tonight. If you, if you have your notes, you can take that out. Or if you use the church app, that will help you to follow along. And part of, part of going through the Bible and journeying through the Bible this year is that we wanted to have the, the whole overall picture of what God is doing in the earth and what he has done throughout history and to get the full scope of who God is through the, through the whole Bible rather than just kind of picking the, the favorite books that we like or the books that we tend to uh, like and enjoy or understand. Because there are some books that you're going to read and you may not even understand what's happening. But hopefully during our Wednesday nights as we go through the Bible together, we're going to learn some key things in how God does what he does and why he does what he does. And hopefully there can be more understanding in who God is. Because the whole hope behind what we're going to be doing on our Wednesday nights is not just gaining knowledge and learning about the history of God's people and Israel and, and the Bible. It's to build our relationship with God. Because if anything, God gave us his word so that we would call upon him. That's the whole point to him giving us his word. It, everything points to Jesus so that when we come to know Jesus, we have this relationship with God. God gave us his word so that we would be able to see and learn who he is. Because the world that we live in is going to tell us opposite. The world that we live in is going to give us other views of different kinds of religions and gods. But when it comes to the true God, then now we're able to make that discernment because we have a relationship with him. We have his word. And because of his faithfulness, we can always go back to what he has already promised to us. And so our hope tonight is that for the, the second half of Genesis, we'll be able to learn a couple things from God. Uh, I want to give you a quick update regarding our, regarding our youth ministry, Relentless, on Wednesday nights because uh, if some of your children are there. But in this season, our youth ministry, Relentless, which is our high school and junior high ministry, is going to help teens grow in their relationship with Jesus, kind of like the same thing that we're doing here on our Wednesday nights. By being intentional in reading the Bible, they're going to be learning about how to do devotions. They're going to go through some uh, Bible studies together. And so that's what they're going to dedicate their Wednesday nights uh, to uh, for our teenagers and, and your children. So they're still going to join us for worship. If you notice, they're in here during our worship time, and we worship together. And then... Uh, they're going to go to the other side. And if your teen doesn't want to be on that side, that's okay. They can be with you. The main thing is they're not just hanging out anywhere, you know, going in dark places and doing bad things. But that they're here with you or there with us because we want to make sure that they're safe and that they're, you know, in a, in a good place. And, and if they tell you, yeah, I'm going to go to the other side, and they're telling the other side, no, we're going to go over here, then they're going to get lickings. So we'll, we'll do our very best to uh, give them the word of God. Okay, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, just to give us a picture of where we're going to be heading and why we're talking about God's promises and blessings. It tells us this in verses 1 through 4, that the Lord had said to Abram, so Abram and Abraham, same person. This is just before he was, his name was changed to Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, which was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 75 years old. In other words, God is telling us it's, we are never too old to receive his promises and his blessings. We're never too old to receive his promises and blessings. I am amazed that when people get to a certain age, sometimes they say, oh, we're done. Let the younger people take over. Don't let the younger people take over. We don't know what we're doing. We need instruction. We still need leadership and guidance. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't know what we're doing, but we just need help. I mean, think about how God does everything. He goes from generation to generation, and he will always raise people up. So we're never done until we see Jesus face to face. But we're going to look at three things that will help us to understand what does God mean when it comes to his promises and his blessings. And here's the first thing. God's promise is his word to us. His promise is his word to us. His blessing is the life he planned for us. When God gives us his word, that's his promise. It's his promise to us. But his blessing is the life that he planned for us. He wants, he wants to bless his people. That's what, that's what God does. That's who he is. He, he is. he is the blessing. So he wants to bless his people. So Abram and his family, along with his nephew Lot, they go out into a city called Sodom. And four other kings now wage war with the king of Sodom and and uh, four other kings with Sodom. So Sodom and uh, four other kings, five kings against four kings, are now at war. And Lot, which is Abram's nephew, gets taken as well as the possessions and, and the different things that they have. So now these four kings took over uh, Sodom and, or, or Lot and, and their possessions. Well, these other kings are saying, wait a minute, let's go. We got we to gotta take these guys out. So they, they wage war. And Abram takes his uh, family and his descendants, about 300 or, or so of them, and because they're trained, they're skilled in battle. So he takes over and takes back his nephew Lot along with their possessions. So Abram, not only is he the father of many nations, but he's, he's also been promised a blessing. And part of Abram's vision for his life is, you said that my descendants are going to be numerous. So he's very, not protective, but he's, he's mindful of his descendants. He wants to make sure that he's doing his part when it comes to the promises of God. So they get back all of that. In fact, Genesis chapter 15 captures that. And it says, after this, after all of that took place, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Almost like saying to Abram, I, yeah, you're doing great, but a lot of what you're trying is, is, is man. You're, you're, you're going to try to make it work yourself. But don't forget that my promise comes with my blessing, my word. So I'm also working in your life. You don't need to be that particulate or particular about the details about everything. Just know that I'm with you. That there are some things that you cannot control, like the war that was happening. But I'm going to come in because I'm going to be your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. 
This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he, and he, he credited it to him as righteousness. So God was basically reminding Abram about his promise. That even though these things are happening, don't worry, I, I, I'm the one that's going to bring the blessing. I'm the one that holds true to the promises. I'm going to be your shield and I will be your reward. And God blessed Abram with an amazing life, a life filled with children, a nation, and the promised Messiah as we know of today as Jesus Christ. So God remained true to his promises, which is God's word to you and I. God's word to you and I is that he will be our protector. He will be our shield. He is our fortress and our high tower. And without him, I can see how we can scramble in life and try to make life work out for our best. But his promises is for us. It's his word. He doesn't go back on his word. And his blessing is the life that he planned for us. I look at God's promise and his blessing. Kind of like, like if, you, if, you got, if you were married and you said some vows, uh, the vows are the promise, right? It's your word. It's for Heidi and I, when we were married, it was, you know, I, Sheldon, take you, Heidi, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. I will love you. I will be faithful to you. I receive you as my gift under God's lordship. That was my vow to her. Whether or not I'm a blessing to her is all dependent on how I live out my vows. So we can make promises, but the blessings come in the doing. It comes in the actions thereafter. See, God has both promises and blessings. He gives us his word, but he also acts upon that word. He brings in his blessing. God acts out what he said, which is his blessing. And he has thousands of promises to us. If we read the word of God, you're going to catch all of his promises. That's why we always talk about doing devotions. And when we do devotions, we go through the entire Bible in a year. And the New Testament twice. And what it does is it helps us to see God in all of his glory. Through the ups and downs of humanity. But weaved through the chapters is God's faithfulness of his promises and his blessings. See, God, God is responsible to give us his word. But we are responsible to live out his plan. That's our responsibility. He can give us his word and his promises, and he wants to bless us, but it's up to us in how we're going to live that out, to carry out his plan. God says, I want to bless your life, and here's how. We can look at that and say, but I don't want to do that. But that's where my blessings are. Well, I don't want to do that, though. Well, it's up to us to be blessed by God. He wants to. But it's up to us to do things his way. I want to illustrate it this way because this is how I understand it. And I think this is how we can all understand it. This is God's promises. And here are his blessings. And here's where we are. Our life. So, when God brings a promise, he says, here's the promise. I want to bless your marriage. So here's where the blessing is. You're going to be faithful. You're, you know, all of these things. You're going to love your wife, your husband. You're going to uh, be honest. You're going to be caring. 
Or he says, I want to bless you uh, in, in these other ways. I want to um, make sure that you are well taken care of, that I'm going to provide for you. So he gives you things that are a part of his blessings for us to do. Now we can look at that and say, oh, that's great, God. So I'm going to do what you're blessing. I want to be where you're blessing. But it requires our part. Heidi's not going to automatically love me just because we got married. I, I am a part of a relationship. So just because we're married, it doesn't mean I can treat her any way I want to if I want to have God's blessing in my marriage. If I, if I don't want to listen to God and I say, God, I want to do things my way, then what we're saying is, God, I hear your promises. I want your promises. I want your blessings. But God, can you bring your blessings into the life I want to live in the way I want it to be? In other words, God, I, I see your blessings. I want that. But, but I still love my life. I like my life. I don't want to change, God. I want to stay the same, but I still want your blessings. God is saying, no, here, my blessings are here. So you have to come to my blessings. I was in the mainland some time ago, and it started to drizzle. It was just drizzling. People were running for cover. And I'm thinking, this is just drizzling. They're like, oh, my hair. And, you know, people with my makeup. And, and even the men with their suits, they're like running away from the rain. And it was just drizzling. And I'm thinking, try come hilo. <laughs> this, is, this is nothing. But to them, they're running away from what they think, right, is going to dam damage their suit or whatever it is. They're going away from the rain. If God is bringing his blessing here and we run away from it, that's not, that's not on God. That's on us. If, if we're saying, God, I want to stay the same, I still want to do the things I want to do, I want to think how I want to think, I like my old ways, and God's saying, but I want to bless you. And we're saying, but I don't want to change. That's not on God. That's on us. The better way is, God, here's my life. I'm going to bring it under your blessing. I'm going to run toward your blessing. Now, here's the difficult part about that. It takes sacrifice to receive God's blessing. And that sacrifice is our old life, our ways, how we want to do things. But when we're in his blessings, we'll look back at the life we used to have and the sacrifices we made. And at that point, because we're in his blessings, it's, it doesn't even seem like a sacrifice anymore. It was more like smart. That was wise. It was a wise thing to do. Why? Because we're in his blessings now. Receiving his promises, receiving his blessings with the life that he promised us to have. And sometimes when we look back on our old life and we see the mistakes that we've made, we still have security because we're not in our old life anymore. We're not controlled by our old ways. We're not controlled by our past. We're not, our past doesn't dictate how we live today. God does now. Now he's saying, in my blessings, that's where you're going to find a, a true, true life. Because I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. This is where you want your life to be. Because that's my blessing for you. He knows how we're supposed to live. His way is always the best way. No matter how we feel, no matter how difficult, no matter how tough the choice we have to make, his blessing and his way will always trump our way. Always, always, always. He sees everything. And he wants the very best for us. God is the blessing. 
And if we run from him, then we're running away from where his blessing is. If we think about the promises that he makes to us and then the blessing that comes thereafter, it always gives us hope and it gives us vision for our life. Go where God is blessing. Go where he's blessing and then stay away from where he's not blessing. If God ain't blessing it, run. We're going to take a look at that. And the second thing, go to where God is blessing. Go to where he's blessing. When uh, Jacob was wrestling with, with God and, and, and that, that whole scene of him wrestling and, and, and wanting the blessing, it's recorded in Genesis chapter 32, verses 26 through 29. The man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he replied. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God. In other words, Jacob is saying, here I am. I want your blessing. Well, what is your name? Jacob. Nope. If you're going to be under God's blessing, your name is now Israel. Because there's a change that's going to take place. I pray that this happens to all of us. That when we come into God's blessing, our name, our former life is no more. But now we have a new name, a new identity in Jesus Christ. That's God's promise to us. It's a new identity. We don't have to be controlled by our past. We don't have to be darkened by our past. But we can be enlightened with the present time with the Lord and the future that he has for us. It's his promise and it's his blessing for all of us. Then he continued, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. That's an important phrase. Then he blessed him there. My question to us tonight is, are we there? Or are we here? Our own life, are we there? Are we stepping into the blessings of God? Are we saying, God, I trust your promises and I'm, I want to step into your blessings because God is going to bless us there. That's where the blessings of God are. Sometimes we think about possessions and, and tangible things, and that can be a part of it. But really, the blessing comes from being with God. If you're ever going to wrestle, wrestle in the presence of God. If you're ever going to wrestle with your life, wrestle in the presence of God. If you're ever going to have a difficult time, have a difficult time in the presence of God. Because that's where the blessing is. God, are you blessing me with my old life? If God says, no, I'm not, then run from that. Don't go back to the old life. God, are you blessing me when, when I go to these parties, when I go to these, these people's houses? Are you blessing me there? No, I'm not blessing you there. Then i got to find some new friends. And that's a difficult thing on the island that we live in or from wherever you are. It's a tough thing. It's a tough choice. But it's the decisions that we make that say, God, I want your blessings. I want to be a part of your blessing. Jacob... He was the deceiver. That was his name. And he deceived his brother. He deceived people. So are you going to continue in that old life? And Jacob said, nope, I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, so now I'm going to change your name. Don't go backwards, Jacob. Don't go back to your old ways. God, are you going to bless me if I disobey you? Nope, then I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to go into your being, being obedient to you. Because here, here's where God 
empowers us. When we, where, when we see where God is blessing and we go there, then that's where he's going to pour out his power. So God, are you blessing me with being faithful in my marriage? Yes, that's why I'm blessing you. Then I'm going to stay faithful in my marriage. God, are you blessing me by, by being consistent uh, in my relationship with you and, and trusting in you? Yes, I'm blessing you there. Then that's where I'm going to be. God, I, I, are you blessing me because I'm giving to you? Yes, then I'm going to keep doing that. God, are you blessing me because I'm trusting in you? Yes, then I'm going to keep trusting you. Like, go wherever God is blessing. That's the best place to be in. Being with our children, being the father, the mother that God made us to be. Is, is God blessing us there? If he is, then, then be there. Loving people. If God is blessing us there, then keep loving people. When we're kind to people, if God is blessing us there, then be there. When we speak life to one another, is God blessing that? Yes. Then go there. Keep speaking life. When we help advance the kingdom of God, is God blessing that? Yes. Then stay there. Keep being in the presence of God. Find out where God is blessing you. And then do your wrestling there. Figure that out, God. Where are you blessing me? Because that's where I want to do the, my greatest wrestling. That's where I want to exert my time and energy is wrestling in your presence. God is faithful to bless us even though we make mistakes. That's what the whole book of Genesis consists of. God's faithfulness even though mankind rebelled. So go to wherever God is blessing. And then the last thing, run from where God is not blessing Run from wherever God is in blessing. You get out of there as quickly as possible. Israel had 10 children. 10 children. Uh, had uh, 12 children. Uh, 12 boys, one girl. Actually, 13 children. 12 boys and one girl. And eventually became the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph, one of Israel's children, is his favorite. And the Bible said that he was the favorite. So it's biblical to have favorites, apparently. Or to identify that in certain families, <laughs> there are favorites. I don't know if it's godly. I'm just saying it, it's in the Bible. that He had a favorite, and his name was Joseph, and he gave him a coat of many colors. Joseph has a dream. Joseph, in Joseph's dream, it's interpreted where his family is going to bow down before him. The family is like, no, the brothers were like, that's not going to happen. So they beat him up and they want to kill him. But then their conscience takes a hold of them and they figure out, you know what, let's just sell him into slavery. He's sold into slavery into Egypt. And then Joseph finds himself as a slave in Egypt at a home by the by the, uh, of a man by the name of Potiphar. And in Potiphar's home, Potiphar has his wife and his servants and Potiphar's wife was always checking him out, was always kind of checking out Joseph and, and, you know, making googly eyes and, and just, just like coming on to him and flirting with him. But Joseph was a man of God and he stayed true to his relationship with God. Well, one day, Joseph is in the home by himself with Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife does the soap opera thing. Is like, come be with me. And Joseph is like, no, I can't do this. Yes, you can. No one will know. And then Joseph says, no, your, your husband has given me everything. There's no possible way that I'm going to now take advantage of his wife. And she's so like, like, um, what is it, like, like not vicious, but just like, whatever, aggressive. Like, just aggressive. Like, some of you guys know some people. 
who might be aggressive. And she is just so aggressive that she takes a hold of him. And Joseph is like, yeah, I don't can, I don't can. So he backs away. She rips off his shirt. And now she has his, his clothing and he runs from there. He leaves. Genesis 39, verses 11 and 12. One day when he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He ran out of the house. He knew that if he stayed there, dead meat. He knew that this wasn't a good place to be. He wasn't in the, in the best situation, so he runs from there. See, you and I know that when we're not in a good situation, you and I know when what we're looking at is not good. We know that what we're doing is not of God. When that happens, run. Run from it. If you have to fling your phone, throw it on the pillow real fast and just get away. Just, if those people are texting you Facebook and you're, you're, you're chiming in and it's just not going good, run from it. You don't need that. You don't need to defend yourself when you're living a godly life. You don't need to tell people what's happening in your life just to prove that you didn't say what, you, what other people are saying you said. You, you don't need to defend yourself. The Bible says let your character defend you. And people see your life, it's going to silence all of those who are saying negative things about you. But he ran from that place. But even when Joseph avoided the situation, this is, this is almost like, the, like a story gone bad that's gone worse. So even though he avoided the situation, she now squeals on him and says, he tried to take advantage of me and look, he ran, I even have his shirt. So now the husband, Potiphar's like, why are you taking advantage of my wife? Throws him in prison. So now he's in prison, but the Bible says God was with Joseph. So being in God's blessing is not a location because this guy was in prison and God could still bless him. He was able to still interpret dreams. And so he was able to interpret some dreams of the cook and cupbearer of Pharaoh who was also in prison. And because he could interpret these dreams, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. He has a dream, but nobody can interpret it. And then they find out, wait a minute, Joseph is able to interpret dreams. So let's, let's, get, let's get Joseph to interpret the dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. Pharaoh says, bring this guy. I want this guy in my, in, uh, in, in my leadership. I want, I want him there. So now the land has a famine in Egypt. And before, in fact, the dream was of the famine. And Joseph said, listen, this is going to happen. It's going to be a famine. So here's what we need to do. On the seven years of plenty, let's store up all the grain that is left. We're going to have a, a, a whole lot of grain. So let's store them up. So they made storehouses. And then during the famine, they had all of that stored up. So Egypt became wealthy because all the nations around them came to them to buy grain. And during that time, Joseph becomes second in command. And the famine in the land is so bad that Joseph's, Joseph's family, his brothers, and his father Israel, by this time Israel is of old age, they're starving. So they need to come to Egypt to get grain. Joseph sees his brothers and he's, he breaks down. He has a hard time. 
And then he gives them a hard time, a little bit. He just says, hey, don't you have like a younger brother? His younger brother, Benjamin. And they say, yeah, we do. He said, well, go bring your younger brother, J Benjamin, because I think you guys are spies. They're like, no, 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 we're not spies. And they didn't recognize it was Joseph. He said, no, you guys are spies. Go get, go get your younger brother. How's your dad? It's like, how do you know about our dad? Is he well? Yeah, he's doing fine. Now, Joseph has to try and compose himself because he's, being, he's getting emotional. So now they go get their younger brother and their dad. They come to Egypt and they're having a, a banquet. And Joseph sits them in order with the, young, uh, the oldest to the youngest. But with Benjamin, he gives him like a double portion of food. He gives him like a whole feast. And all the other brothers are like, wow, how's this? You're treating our youngest brother like that? But that was Joseph's brother. Because they had, remember, Israel had four wives. Yeah, that already is soap opera. One is already a blessing. Two is like curse. So, <laughs> so now you have the, the brothers there with Joseph. And Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. He says, I am Joseph, your brother. And now they freak out because they're thinking, he's going to take revenge. He's going to take revenge on us because of what we did. Remember what we did to him? I mean, beat him up and then we sold him into slavery. Yeah, he's going to take revenge on us. What are we going to do? So they put together a scheme, this story that, you know, our dad said that before he dies, you are not to harm us. So that was dad's, dad's one and only wish is that you would not harm us. And so Joseph was like, why would I do that? It's amazing that we think of others that that's what they're going to do to us because that's how we think. So we think in this way and we think everyone else thinks like that. Well, the brothers... Because they're thinking of what they did, they now think Joseph is going to do that. But Joseph said, no, 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 that, that's not who I am. That, that, because God was with him and God was blessing him, Joseph clearly understood that God used everything that Joseph went through for the purpose of where the nation of Egypt was at that time and what was going to take place throughout Israel's history. So the famous... Scripture in Genesis chapter 50, verses 20 and 21, it tells us that you intended to harm me. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Like talk about a, a, a man who had all the power to do to his brothers what they did to him. But it just goes to show that Joseph didn't carry a grudge. He didn't carry the bitterness. He released it way back then and never took it forward. In other words, Joseph constantly was operating in God's blessing, not his former life, not with the grudge, not because someone said something or you got hurt, but because he knew that this is where the blessing was. When we hang on to this, there is no blessing in it. So I'd say this, run from where God is not blessing. 
And if there ever something is done or said that it's, it, it takes you away from the blessings of God, make it right as quick as possible. Don't let it fester. As the Bible says, lest bitter root spring up. And when there's bitterness and there's a root there, now it's stuck and so are you. You're not able to move forward. Like get rid of it as quickly as possible. Run from it. Don't let it fester. Run towards God's blessing. You may be in a season right now where it, it doesn't seem like any good can come out of it. Maybe you're faithful to God, trusting in him, following his leading, serving him, and still it, it still seems like nothing is changing. I want to tell you this. Just taking, just taking a look at the second half of Genesis, really in, in, in God's blessing, no matter how difficult it is, just don't give no matter how difficult it is. Why? Because of God's blessing and his promises. Just don't give up. It will be difficult. It will be hard. But don't give up because God's blessing and his promises are still there. The enemy may intend for bad things to happen to us. But God intends everything to work out together for good. That's God's intention. God is going to use even the difficult times for something greater. Because it holds promise for God's blessing. And tonight, that's, a, that's what I want to pray for all of us, that wherever we are in life, that God's blessing would come to pass because we're running to his blessings and running from where God is not blessing. And then we're going to live the life that he promised us. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. You can put away your notes. And we're going to pray that tonight. Next week, we're going to start in the book of Exodus. And uh, that's going to be a good one too. But let's bow our heads for a moment. And just take this time to kind of sift through what we've been talking about, God's promises and his blessings. God's promise for you as a husband, God's promise for you as a wife, as a mom or a dad, a grandparent, a child of the Most High. God's promise is there for us. That God said, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Like that's our part. God wants to bless us. And Lord, tonight as we kind of reflect on your word and as we reflect on our life, we want to be where you're blessing. That's where we want to be. We don't, we don't want to go backwards. We don't want to hang on to grudges. We don't want to hang on to the negative things that were said. We don't want to hang on to anything that pulls us away from you. We want to be exactly where you're blessing. And it's in your presence. If we're ever going to wrestle with anything, Lord, may we wrestle in your presence. It's because of your word and your, your promises that we have a life worth living for. We have something to look forward to. We have vision for our life. So I pray that wherever we are in life, whatever season, whatever age we're at, that you would continuously breathe life into us and give us vision for our future. That's your promise to us, Lord. We hang on to you because we know when we hang on to you, the promises and blessing will follow thereafter. Thank you for making a way for us to receive your promises and blessing through the promised Messiah in Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, thank you for being our Savior, our friend, the one who made it possible for us to be free from our sins, to be free from the past life 
that was separate from you. We now have a relationship with you and the free gift of eternal life. So we receive your promises and your blessings. And Lord, I do pray your blessing over all of your people. I pray for us tonight that as God's children, we will be able to live out your promises and your blessings because we're in your presence. Thank you again for being faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all sit together. Amen. Amen. Oh, he's so good. He's so good to us.